Welcome back, everybody, on Sidrit's podcast, episode number four. On this episode, I will have Nick Riccio talk to us about house hacking and how he's built a business around it. Stay tuned. There's a lot to cover in this episode and lots to unpack. Thank you for listening. Hey, thank you for being here. I really appreciate it. Um, Nick, Nick is a lender and also house hacker uh, for uh, people that follow me and, and don't follow Nick. Uh, he's awesome. Him, him and his wife have, uh, uh, you know, have a, a business, Eagle Hill Homes. And they, you know, that's, that's what Nick's going to talk to us about uh, tonight. Uh, tell us a bit about himself and, uh, you know, like, like strategies about house hacking benefits. And we'll go from there. Uh, but thanks so much, man. Hey, tell us tell us a bit about yourself, uh, who you are and everything, so uh, more people can get to know you. Yeah, awesome. Thanks, man. So, yeah, I'm Nick Riccio. I am a loan officer here in Massachusetts as well. Uh, that's my primary focus. But then, as you mentioned, uh, my wife and I are active house hackers. Um, been doing it now. I think we bought our first property in 2017, and... We just recently, like two weeks ago, closed on our fourth place. Congratulations. Um, yeah, thank you. It's been a slow, slow grind, but uh, but it's worth it. It's It's been good. It's been a good of ride course. so far. Of course. And, and just quickly, like a, a small definition of house hacking, because it's nothing bad, right? You know, for <laughs> for people what, who don't know what house hacking is. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, I mean, I again... To your point, it's kind of a coined phrase, but at the end of the day, the idea is just to uh, to really try to, I think, twofold. One, reduce your primary living expense. So I know we'll talk about it, but all of us need somewhere to live. So whether you're paying rent uh, or even a mortgage on a primary, it's it's the way to offset or reduce that. And then I think some people take it a step further, and, and it's a way to kind of start building a portfolio. Um which, you know, uh, in our area is, is really difficult, especially the way cost of living is here. Um, you know, for the average person, it's really hard to come up with 20, 25% down. Um, so it's just a good alternative and a good way to get started, I think. For sure, for sure. So how did you get started? I mean, tell, tell, us, about, I mean, tell us about your first property, what what kind of loan did you get? What what motivated you? Was there a factor in your life? Because I know there's so many like first time home borrowers out there. But I remember when I bought my first house in in 2015, uh, a two family. Uh, it, it felt like the market was overpriced, right? And here we are now in 2021, almost 2022, and everybody still feels the same. So tell tell us what that journey was like and what motivated you. Yeah, definitely. So ours, I'll try to keep it as short and sweet as I yes. can, but but ours um, was a little interesting in that we knew like right off the bat, we wanted to get a multifamily. We wanted it to be run down. We had all these huge aspirations. Uh, and like I said, I think it was 2016-ish probably at that time. And again, the, the, the sort of the conversation was that it was everything was so overpriced. It was so hard to get to get a place. Um, so long, long story short, we, um, you know, after getting outbid what felt like thousands of times, we ended up settling on a, on a small condo. 
um, nice. bought the condo. And then, you know, we kind of joke around now that it was fate. It was about six months later, we were able to get the attached two, three units um, building to our condo. We were able to get that off market. So with wow. the real first purchase was the condo, but our first house hack was like six months later. That's awesome. That's awesome. So that that one you got it. So the condos are a little tough usually with an FHA loan. So you got you got the two family uh, with an FHA loan or three family. Yeah, yeah. So so exactly. So we bought the uh, the condo was conventional mortgage, and then when we got the two family, uh, we bought it with an FHA. And, and the idea was. Um, the guy who owned it before us, he had a family. So he, you know, him, his wife, and I think they had two kids. They were using the second and the third floor combined as one. Um, but it was, it had been used as a three. It was zoned as a three. So when we purchased it, we reconverted it back to a three. To a three family. Nice, nice. And how, how long, so first of all, I mean, one of the benefits of FHA, you're doing minimum down payment. On a two-family, you could do as little as three and a half percent, and I'm sure you know the, your whole goal of house hacking was to add value, right? And, and and how you got out of the FHA loan? Tell us a little more how you got out of the FHA loan, and how did you add value to the property? Yeah, it's an awesome question because I, I will probably get to this, but I'm sure you run into it a lot with, with buyers. Um, so so. Exactly. So the idea was we were going to add value. Um, and for us at that point, what that was, was we were going to convert it from the two to a three. Um, we remodeled the whole place, um, you know, a new bat, really a full gut. Um, it, it ended up being basically everything. Um, but to your point, the, the biggest, I, I think the biggest piece, as we know, being in the industry, but a lot of people don't, is to get out of that FHA mortgage, you need to add a lot of value because when you go to refinance, you know, your, your loan to value, so the amount of equity in the property has to go up pretty significantly depending on the loan program. So to get out of it quickly, it has to be, a, you know, a major value add type of property. For sure, for sure. Uh, how much, if you don't mind me asking, how much were the renovation costs that you did and i know you've done a lot of work by yourself with samantha and i'm sure you have contractors but how long did it take you and how much did it take you and what was the value add to the property just so we can have like more specific numbers definitely so so we had bought the property at six hundred and thirty thousand. um and with that all in renovation we ended up, again, this was fully done by us. So a lot of people will say, well, I don't know how you did it so cheaply. Well, the reason is because we were on our hands and knees for six months. <laughs> um, but we got that done right around $85,000 um, to, to basically renovate everything. The only thing at that point that we did sub out um, was like plumbing and electric. I think almost everything else we did basically ourselves and, you know, family, friends, that type of thing. That's amazing. Um, so we were into it for like three and a half percent down another 85,000 in renovations. 
and today it's worth like nine seventy five. Wow. So it's what, four years down or less than four years? And, yeah, right around four years. And you've added about three to 400,000 worth of equity. Plus, I'm sure, you know, the, the, the cash flow that you're getting from a three family instead of a two family. Um, and I'm sure you've refinanced that to get out of the FHA. Um, one of the things about FHA is mortgage insurance is super expensive. Uh, so I'm sure, how much did you save on, on the uh, mortgage insurance when you refinanced? Yeah, so the, that one I want to say was right around, so probably like 500, somewhere in that ballpark. Um, as we've continued to buy more expensive properties, that number just continues to go up. Uh, but <laughs> it, was nice, it was really nice getting rid of that for sure. Good for you. Good for you. So what are some types of house hacking? We talked about two families. Can people house hack single families, condos? What are some other kinds that, that you've seen out there? Not necessarily that you're doing, but um, you've been doing this for a while. So you, you know more than most of us. Yeah. So, um, so and sorry about that. I, uh, no, I actually I lost you for a second. Did you say what type of house hacks do we see typically? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What are some of the type type of house hacks and what kind of house hacks are out there? Yeah, so it's interesting. Uh, I, I would say in our area, you know, Massachusetts, greater Boston, I think we have so many multifamily that that's what we see probably most common. Uh, but it's interesting, other parts of the country, um, even other parts of our state, there's a lot of people doing single families and, uh, and there's, there's a lot of good to doing the single family, in my opinion, at least um, from an outsider's view, I've never, I've never done one personally, but you know, it, you can do, if it's a single family, now you can be in that conventional mortgage, still low down payment. And if you're able to rent out rooms or, you know, some people, they have the in-law suites or, or something like that. I think that can be a really good play, um, especially for someone, you know, I have a lot of conversations with people that are just a little more entry level than what the price point is here, Greater Boston. Yep. Um, so you can get a single family, you know, typically a little bit cheaper, rent out the rooms. I think that's an awesome strategy. Um, and then the, the only other thing I think I've seen um, is similar to the uh, multifamily house hack, but instead of renting out uh, the other unit or units long-term, um, some people are using short-term rental Airbnb type models as well. I see. I see. I see. Yeah, I think, I think that's a great example of like house hacking a single family. I'm not sure how common it is with condos, but especially with Airbnb these days, um, you know, like you could technically house hack a couch, right? I mean, just, you know, rent out a couch. And, and I mean, there's, there's so many creative ways. And as long as you're buying that property with the intention to, to be your primary residence and you're living there, right? You could do anything you want. No one's going to stop you from renting out a room or renting out the in-law apartment. I mean, um, make sure that, that you're not violating any like local ordin ordinances and local rules. But 
for the most part, I'm going to say that, that that's an awesome strategy. And especially in the suburbs where maybe you could, some things are a bit cheaper, right? Uh, than, than like in Boston, you could, you could really stand to make a profit. And um, I mean, yeah. we are like a college town and we are, you know, a college state. So uh, there's always students looking to rent. Um, Big time, man. And I think it's, uh, it's, it's interesting too. I, I kind of touched on it in the beginning, but, uh, but not everyone is looking, you know, not everyone is looking for to grow a, a, a huge portfolio or be like a, a full-time investor. You know, we just, we just helped someone that I thought was really cool to your point. They bought a condo, bought a little bit nicer probably than they would have. Uh, but their intention was they were going to rent out rooms. So the guy got a nicer condo in a nicer area than he probably would have. And he's renting it out. And, and now he's paying, you know, it's not, it's not going to completely offset his mortgage. But now he's living in a place he wants to live for way cheaper than he would have otherwise. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And the whole goal is to get to home ownership and make it as much easier, you know, for you to afford that payment. So you can, you know, hopefully reinvest into another property, just like you did. Um, you know, like, and, and now you're up to your fourth property. Um, and, and I'm sure you're, you're going to continue doing that, which is amazing. Um, just for the audience, what are some of the type of loans out there for, for house hackers, um, you know, that, that you would recommend? Yeah, so I, I think the most common we see are going to be, if it's multifamily, a lot of it's FHA mortgages. Um, biggest reason, I think, is is that low down payment component. Um, so you can do the regular FHA, uh, which three and a half minimum, one to four unit. They also have that 203K. So if someone needs to wrap in some renovation costs, they can do that. Um you know, locally here in Massachusetts, um, Massachusetts Housing has a great program. Um, that's 5% down minimum. Um, some other hoops you need to jump through. So it is, um, you know, it, it needs to be the right fit. But uh, that's another conventional mortgage, yep. low down, uh, that can be a good fit for people. Um, and then sing on the single side, if, you know, if someone's looking for a single family, um, they can do a conventional mortgage. And, and if they're first-time buyers, they may be able to do 3%. If it's not, maybe 5%. But they can get into it. The bottom line is you can get into these homes um, with really low down payments. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, what are, what are um, yeah, I, I think you made a great example. You know, like, um, and even if you're going, like, so for people that have a little more down payment, and they want to avoid being in FHA, they could do like 15% down for a two family. Uh, it gets more expensive on the three and four family side for conventional, you need minimum 25. Um, but you made, a, you made a great point, low entry point for first time home buyers, especially on the FHA side. Um, hey, what are some of the resources that people can use uh, out there? And I'm sure you've, you've uh, you know, you, you, you know, a few, um, from, from, from past work that you've done, but what are some resources that people can use to learn more about house hacking? What would you recommend? 
Yeah, so I, you know, my thing, I got started um, with Bigger Pockets. So, you know, for people who aren't familiar, Bigger Pockets is a now it's kind of everything podcast, uh, forum, you know, a web based forum. Um, they have blogs, everything. Um, that's how I got started. I think now, you know, there's so many people doing podcasts. Um, I mean, literally things like this. I mean, th these are re all of these types of things are really helpful for people. So um, YouTube is another awesome one. I mean, I I spend countless hours YouTubing people, <laughs> you know, watch a video. And, and before you know it, you, you're learning something valuable. So I think now um, we have so much at our fingertips that it's really nice because you can just tune in to, to simple things, bite-sized information, Instagram. Um, you know, there's a lot of, there's, there's almost too much, but, um, but yeah, I think a main source, bigger pockets, but you're going to find uh, smaller individuals that provide good value as well. I love that. Yeah. And um, yeah, yeah, man. I mean, even when I'm like watching like, instagram videos and by the way want to like give a shout out to your page eagle hill homes is that correct That's on correct, instagram yeah. uh, i would urge everyone to follow you guys i mean you you provide a lot of valuable tips about house hacking you and samantha um thank you you know so so people looking to learn more you know go there but yeah speaking about youtube i mean you watch a video and then you next thing you know you get all these ideas in your head or whether it's a real TikTok, um, I don't know about, you know, any specific pages you want to like, uh, you want to like give out out there for, for the audience? Yeah. So, I mean, on Instagram, um, there are, um, let's see, um, there's a page house hacking success that I follow They're You know, they're pretty niche oriented on, on just house hacking. Uh, there's another guy, um, might not be perfect, but I think it's 203 K way is his Instagram page. And he's same thing. The, the concept is trying to help people learn how to leverage low down payments into house hacks. Um, but I think those, you know, those two come to mind that are really good resources for sure. That's awesome. That's awesome. So you're now, you're now not only a first time home buyer, you're now an investor, right? You're investing in multiple properties. That means that you're dealing with tenants. You're dealing with that, with a different type of headache. Um, what are what are some of the um, you know what are some of the things that you see out there with tenants, and how do you deal with them? And and what what recommendations do you have for others um, to deal with tenants? Yeah, it, it's interesting, right? It's, um, I, I think there's a couple things that I, I always like to point out that, you know, you can be an investor without being a landlord, right? So if that's something right off the bat, you're not comfortable with, um, you know, you don't need to, that doesn't mean real estate's not for you. It just might mean being a, a landlord is not for you. Um, so that's first and foremost. But, you know, my thing with tenants um, is really, I, I, I truly believe it's like any other relationship. I, I think people want to be treated, you know, fairly. I think they want to be communicated to and with. 
Um, so I always just try to be, you know, clean, fair and communicate. Um, and I think in anything, like you can't go wrong if you're doing those things. Um, and I think it, it builds a mutual respect. Um, you know, you, it's having, that. you know, it's having a lot of hard conversations. Um, you know, I, I think the other side is, um, you're of course going to have some really tough tenants, right? Not everyone, not everyone is just going to work just because you're, you're honest and fair. Um, you're going to run into some challenges, but I think being, uh, you know, my biggest thing is trying to document everything, be organized. Um, and again, just be fair. And, and I think more times than not, as long as you do those things, you should be okay. Yeah. And another question, how, how um how does it go so how does the conversation go when you're increasing rents <laughs> what do you do? do do you send a letter in the mail do you have a conversation and and how often do you think people should increase their rents yeah so uh, again there's there's probably however many people watching this and probably everyone has a differing opinion um I would say um, we we try to try to uh, well first as far as doing the increase try to do it as early as we can um, and communicate it in in um, written fashion so make sure it's communicated uh, and we try to give everyone as early as humanly possible um, and the reason is if it's not in that person's budget anymore. Uh, that's okay. But, you know, we want to make sure they have plenty of time to find a new place. We have plenty of time to find a new tenant. Um, and I think as far as doing the increases, I try to stay, you know, I try to stay as current as possible. But with the way our market's been increasing, if you have a great tenant, my thing is, you know, I, I don't want to I don't want to abuse that either, right? Because there's costs. Exactly. The thing that people don't realize is there's costs and turnover, um, you know, both physical and, you know, marketing expenses, time, all of that. Um, so if, if you have a good tenant and you can do small incremental increases, that's kind of been our strategy. A hundred percent. And also what people don't realize is if you use one, if if you lose one tenant for two months, you lose one tenant and you have vacancy for two to three months, and you only erased your 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 um, you you only erased your rental for let's say a hundred bucks. Now that's gonna take you three years to get all that money back because you lost three years uh, three months of vacancy, which that that increase is barely gonna cover. Exactly. Yeah, it, it's it's be nice, you know, like you said, I think you made, made a great example, be human, you know, like communicate it as early as possible. I mean, if, if these people are going to move, um, it, it's going to be an impact to their life and everything. So provide them as much time and, and communicate, you know, that, that in this, in today's age, I mean, it, it's, it's very, it's very easy to explain that, Hey, the cost of everything's gone up. Right. Um, so yeah, we all know about inflation. We hear about inflation every day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And you know, one thing for us that that's a that's a real thing is um, is property taxes, right? So you know that 
those can be, you know, in some, in some instances, that can be a huge increase. Um, you know, so for us, again, it's not trying to make it all up immediately, but you need to be aware of it because before you know it, you know, then you start to get to a point where you are leaving valuable money on the table and, and you don't want to do that either because it is a business. Um, what are some of the associated expenses when, when people move out? Uh, whether, you know, you gave them the notice or, you know, you increased rent or they're just trying to leave. Yeah. So expenses that, I, I mean, here's the thing. Again, I don't know if every landlord does this or not, but every turnover we have done, the, the unit is not, you know, it's not just clean it and go because there's wear and tear that's happening. Right. So more often than not, you're going to have expenses like th repairs that actually need to happen, you know, pay a cleaner, uh, paint typically you know a lot of times we need to at least do touch up paint which again now you're sending someone out there to do that that's a cost um and then to your point um you know vacancy is a, a huge problem so anytime you can avoid that that's huge as well and then um Absolutely. and then again any marketing expenses i mean the beauty is now a lot of it you can do free um, but if you're using realtors and, and whatnot, you know, you can incur costs there. Yeah. And, and what that was going to be my next question. Do you guys use a realtor for, for your properties uh, once you have like a turnover or do you try to do it yourself to save a few bucks? Yeah, we uh, that's an awesome question. We started off doing it ourselves um, and we no longer do. Um, reason being is really twofold one is you know i don't think it's the best use of our time um and secondly you know those guys are professionals for a reason um so i now as i'm maturing and learning it's like you know let the professionals do what they do and, and you focus on what you're good at a hundred percent a hundred percent and what about managing the properties are you using like a management company um and what would you recommend out there? I mean, I'm sure when you started, you were doing it all by yourself, but how, how are you handling everything now, managing rentals and, um, you know, any, any, any like um, contractor work that you gotta do? Some of it, I'm sure you do it yourself, but how are you managing the properties? Yeah, so now we, um, we, we manage everything through, um, we use a technology. Um, it's a free platform where tenants can can pay. Um, they can submit requests for service or. Um, oh, that's amazing. Yeah, so things like that, and then we kind of just triage as as needed. Um, so you know, we try to again try to um, streamline as best we can. So if we get a request in, get as much information as we can before we even go out to the property. And then, you know, if we get pictures and descriptions, you know, then right off the bat, we can just forward it to whoever is going to handle it. And, That's smart. You know, what's, that what's the name? Is it an app or a software? It is. It's um, so it, we it was under Cozy, C-O-Z-Y. And okay. then um, and then they were recently acquired. Um, so now it's actually run through uh, apartments.com. OK. OK. Um, it yeah. works. It works well. 
Yeah, it does. For the um, most part. Apartments.com is not a paid sponsor of this, are they? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I, um, we, we, better, better, we better get a cut, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's pretty good. It's, um, you know, the Cozy platform was very good. I think Apartments.com lacks a little bit, uh, but, but it's still, it still, it functions and it's fine. So people can make the, the payments through there too? Exactly. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's all. And, and they get a small percentage or like a small management fee? You know what? I, to be completely honest, I don't know. I assume there must be a charge. I just don't know if it gets added to their side or ours. I should probably know that, but I don't. That's fine. Uh, but yeah, they can cert they can pay it right online and then it just, you know, it deposits right into our account. Okay. Okay. Uh, in terms of investing, do you have any specific areas that you can recommend to folks, first time home buyers or, you know, uh, yeah. other investors out there? Yeah, I think, I think like anything, um, you know, especially when we're gearing more towards house hacks, right? I, I think a lot of it comes down to that personal budget um, and what someone can personally qualify for. And I think sometimes that tells the story about where you should be looking. Um, but at the end of the day, yeah. you know, I, I personally like Greater Boston. I like Boston, Greater Boston, um, you know, Everett, Lynn, Chelsea, even East Boston still. Um, and then outside, I mean, there's a lot of great areas too. Like I know um, Haverhill, for instance, on the North Shore is a more affordable town but it's a great rental area and then it's on the commuter rail and all of those things so there's a lot of desirable places where if your budget doesn't allow for you know any of the towns i just mentioned you know there's still great areas outside a little further outside the city absolutely absolutely that that's that's a great point yeah i i think you know, and then this is, I get this question a lot. Hey, where should I buy? Where should I invest? I mean, it's a question that, that's going to be tailored to each person's specific needs. Um, but I, I tell this to my clients too, that, hey, if you're, you know, if, if you're in the market, if you're seriously looking in the market, now is a good time, right? Why is now a good time? Because, I mean, personally, in this time that we are in winter, I, I personally believe that there's there's less buyers like like motivated buyers that are looking, so those that are out there shopping like one day before Thanksgiving, most likely they may luck out right and and those sellers that are in the market listing their homes now they have a, a very big need to sell their properties right because most sellers are going to be during springtime or you know September, um, you know summertime through September. So, um, you know, I, I, I think, you know, like now is a good time. And, and when people ask, oh, you know, like, should I wait? It's never a good time to wait, right? I mean, home prices are expected to, to increase another, what, 5 to 15% are the estimates in the next year or two. And with, with the current inventory that we have, it, it's, it's only going to push prices up, right? Um, so, yeah, no, you make, you make a great point. Um, I want to ask you one more thing. Uh, if you could have done one, one thing differently, like that, that you learned throughout the house hacking process, what, what have you, what would you have done differently? 
Yeah, so personally, what what I think we would do, again, if we could, would be to try to leverage some um, renovation financing, especially if you're going to be taking on, you know, fairly substantial renovations. Um, it can become really capital intensive. So, you know, I think for us, it would have saved us a lot of sleepless nights if, um, you know, if, if it was wrapped into the mortgage and we weren't self-funding a lot of this stuff. Um, that would be a personal thing. But also another takeaway I would want to leave, um, because I, I can't stress it enough, and, and you brought it up originally, is like you need to have the exit strategy in mind when you're buying your house hack. Like a lot of people they jump into it and then they reach out about wanting to refinance out. And, and the reality is they haven't done anything to the property to warrant, you know, a huge, you know, a, a sizable appreciation and they become stuck in that loan. Um, so my, you know, my advice, I guess would be the consult when you're consulting with whoever it is, friend, family, loan officer, realtor, like, try to try to project forward what your situation is going to look like because the last thing you want is to get stuck in that FHA and you want to try to do it again, but you can't. And, and it becomes a little bit of a mess. Exactly. Exactly. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Hey, I appreciate the feedback, man. Uh, appreciate the time. Um, give, give Nick a follow. He's a great guy, great lender and awesome house hacker. <laughs> um thanks uh, yeah yeah uh we'll i'm sure we'll see each other soon in in one of the events and happy thanksgiving to you and your family and uh, i'll see you soon all right thanks man you too happy thanksgiving thanks. bye, bye. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Your support means so much to me. And one way for you to support me is by following this podcast and liking this episode and also by leaving a review. In addition, don't forget to check out my Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and YouTube at sidrit.veseli for more daily content. If there's anything I can help you with, message me directly on any of my platforms. Thank you and talk to you soon.